0: Hello there, everybody. Welcome to the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson. With me is Zach Barletta, and we're very glad to have you along as well. BTGprogram.com or at BTGprogram. What you'll hear over this next half hour or so is sports talk from a faith-based point of view. Since we'll talk football for most of this week's show, why don't we start in baseball, where this week allegations came forth that the 2018 World Series champion Boston Red Sox use their video replay room in order to steal signs from opposing teams. Adding to allegations which have already been made against the Houston Astros for doing the same, including during their championship season of 2017, this now makes two of the last three World Series champions to be accused of cheating. The claim, reported in The Athletic, cites three anonymous sources who were with the Red Sox in 2018— who say that Boston players would visit the replay room to break down their opponent's signs and then relay the information to the dugout. Another person in the Red Sox dugout would then communicate with base runners who would use body movements to relay pitch information to the batter. One of those three sources referred to the practice as cheating, but also said it was only done during the 2018 regular season, which makes sense because I believe that during the postseason Major League Baseball actually places an employee in each team's video rooms and clubhouse areas. So it would have been hard for them to do that then. So that part makes sense. Teams steal signs all the time. It's nothing new. But I guess my take is that if it's on the field, done without the use of electronic Mm -hmm. spy equipment, then it's on the team giving the signs to get better signs. I've never really understood the unwritten rule against sign stealing. Just like a pitcher getting upset when he gives up a home run and throws a pitch at the batter, make a better pitch. Get better signs. Don't get lazy. But when you are spying with cameras and using some sort of elaborate signal system to relay that information, then that's something altogether different. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And what makes both the Astros and Red Sox situation significant is not only that they did it during their championship seasons, which just looks bad, but that they occurred after the commissioner's office released a memo to all teams clarifying the rule and warning of increased awareness of it. This memo from September 15, 2017, stated how seriously MLB would take any future violation of the regulations regarding use of electronic equipment or the inappropriate use of the video replay room. MLB said in its response to The Athletic, they are taking the allegation seriously and and are investigating. Recent reports are saying that Major League Baseball is close, perhaps within the next week or two, of announcing their punishment against the Astros, who are accused of continuing to use electronics even after the memorandum. And one would think that Red Sox manager Alex Cora, who was also the Astros bench coach in 2017, thus linking him to both situations, well, he could be facing discipline and perhaps even harsher discipline than that of the Astros or any of the Astros for his part in both cases, if indeed it's determined that he indeed had a part. Now, many of our regular listeners know that sitting in this studio are two Yankees fans, though I can assure you that I am not piling on the two teams that ended up eliminating the Yankees from the playoffs these last three years. My opinion is based on two things. One, that it makes baseball, my favorite sport, look bad. When two of your champions in three years have been shown to have been cheating, that looks bad. And secondly, many fans will just lump the Yankees into these allegations, and maybe even many other teams as well, saying that everybody does it. But frankly, everybody doesn't do it, at least not this way. And until there is evidence that a team has done something like this, as there is with the Astros and there is with the Red Sox, then it is unfair to name Any other team, just because, say, you're a hater of that team or you're a hater of the New York Yankees, it's not fair. You can't do that. It's a weak argument. Now, that said, baseball did put the Yankees in a bad spot, at least in my opinion, anyway. Back in 2017, when Major League Baseball released that original memorandum, it was part of an investigation which resulted in them fining the Red Sox an undisclosed amount for using Apple Watches to share signs stolen from the Yankees. Now, they also find the Yankees a lesser amount, only saying that the Yankees had violated a rule governing the use of a dugout phone. There was no mention of cheating or that anyone had accused the Yankees of cheating. What has since been revealed is that someone on the Yankees used the dugout phone to call replay And simply ask if a particular pitch was a ball or a strike, which, by the way, this happened long before 2017.
1: Yeah, it was several years ago. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have seen, like you said, the Yankees and Red Sox both got fined. And the people say, well, they're both doing it. Who cares? And they're for very different violations. And the one that the Yankees were fined for is in no way cheating in any shape or form.
0: Baseball felt like they had to penalize the Yankees because technically it was a violation, but it wasn't sign stealing and it wasn't using electronics to do it. The Red Sox also accused the Yankees of using a Yes Network camera to steal signs, but baseball found that those claims, they, they were invalid. According to the report in The Atlantic, MLB is further investigating claims that the Red Sox used their video replay room in 2018 and that the Yankees did the same beginning in 2015, which maybe they did, but nobody has come forth saying that they did as they have with the Astros and they have with the Red Sox.
1: And the key, too, is if they find Mm -hmm. that the Yankees did it in 2015, that was before the commissioner made it illegal. The Astros and Red Sox use of the cameras to, to, to steal signs was after it was made illegal. And for the Red Sox, it's especially bad because As you said, in 2017, they got uh, caught doing the Apple Watch thing to steal signs and transfer signs. And as part of their punishment, the commissioner came out and said, they have agreed and promised me that they won't have any scandals like this in the future, that this is the end of it. And of course, now we're finding out that quite likely the very next year, they did worse. So I would expect the punishment on the Red Sox, if it's proven to be true, to be quite severe.
0: I imagine that they're... There's maybe a number of teams stealing signs, maybe even using cameras to do it. I'm not so naive to think that the Yankees are above such things. But I think what is important is which clubs continued to do so after the September 2017 memo when Major League Baseball clarified its stance and their intent to severely punish future infractions which utilized electronic devices. According to Andy Martino of SNY the league is not investigating or aware of any allegations that the Yankees use their replay room to steal signs in either 2018 or 2019. Martino also reported regarding the allegations against the 2018 Red Sox, one rival player summed it up when he said everyone knew the Red Sox were doing something. Of course, I wouldn't be shocked if someone eventually did come forward with evidence that the Yankees or any other team cheated in 2018 or 2019 as well. Right. Though it's only been the Astros and Red Sox so far, you know, people are always looking for an edge. And sometimes the temptation to cut corners to get that edge is too much to pass up, especially when money's involved. You may face such temptations all the time. It's a question of integrity. As Christians, God expects us to do the right thing. James 4.17 says, Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Christians are commanded to speak with truth, which I think means both verbally as well as with our actions. Ephesians 4.25 says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. When the pressure is put on, as I'm sure it is in every single game in professional sports, what we're made of will always reveal itself and show who we really are. Do you say one thing and then do another? Do you show up for church each week and then at work cheat or cut corners? Do you act honestly even when no one is around? People with integrity are consistent, regardless of who's around, the circumstances they find themselves in, or the amount of pressure they're under. They consistently do the right thing. They do the things they know that are glorifying to God. And whether you realize it or not, people are watching, Christian. What message are you sending those people? Is it one that consistently says you live for Christ, or does the message you send give people reason to doubt you? When something like this pops up in your life, as it has for the Red Sox and the Astros, and maybe even the Yankees, Would what people know about you convict you, or would it exonerate you? How we live our lives publicly is typically formed by how we live our lives privately. Faithfulness to God in your private life, well, it's critical. It's where the foundation for living with integrity is set. We need to relate to God on the heart level, not based on image, not based on appearance. By that, I mean we need to determine in our hearts— before we take action, that we will conform our thoughts, our attitudes, our words, and finally our deeds to the Word of God. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, and that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Character isn't who we say we are. You either have it or you don't. It's doing the right thing regardless of what others think. It's doing the right thing and standing strong, often alone. It's courage under pressure. Coming up next is this week's Red Hawks recap brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. And still to come, Zach will present his shenanigan statements as well as our You Like That segment. Hope you'll stick around along with Zach Barletta. I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. Let's have a look back over the last week in Roberts Wesleyan College Athletics. This is the Red Hawks recap brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. Samantha Volpe scored 24 points, leading the women's basketball team to a 70-point win over Cheney University last Saturday. The Red Hawks opened the game with a 24-0 run on their way to a 102-32 victory. Emily Miller and Sarah Nady each recorded double-doubles as Miller tallied 13 points and 10 rebounds, Nady nearly matching her with 12 points, 10 assists, and 3 rebounds. Taryn Wilson, Madison McCormick, and Amanda Barnwell were three more Red Hawks scoring in double digits, each pouring in 11 points. The men, meanwhile, were on the road Sunday against Southern New Hampshire, falling 94-76. to Amari Lee led the Red Hawks with 19 points to go along with 7 rebounds. Damani Smith added 16, Armand Nassiri 11, and Reggie Clark 10 in rounding out the list of Redhawks scoring in double digits. Coming up on Sunday, January 12th, Queens College comes to town to take on the Redhawks, women tipping off at 2 p.m., followed by the men at 4 p.m. And looking down the road just a bit, I want to let you know about a special night of Redhawks basketball on Friday, January 24th, as it is FCA night at Roberts Wesleyan College. Come celebrate the local ministry of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes together with other athletes, coaches, and local FCA huddles as they fellowship together and share what FCA has meant to them. That's Friday, January 24th, as the Red Hawks welcome in New York Institute of Technology, women tipping off at 6 p.m., followed by the men at 8. Contact FCA to register before January 22nd for free admission. You can get their number from their website, nyfca.org. That's nyfca.org. Mark your calendars to go on out and support the Red Hawks. They are, after all, the only Division II college athletics program in Rochester. And you can stay up to date with all the Roberts Wesleyan Athletics action at their website, RobertsRedHawks.com. And of course, you can follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Red This has been the Red Hawks Recap, presented by Roberts Wesleyan College.
2: Learn more at stjude.org.
0: Welcome back to the Beyond the Game program recorded in the BTG studio in Rochester, New York. The program is heard all around the world via podcast. Last week's program, in fact, brought the gospel of Jesus Christ through sports into the Netherlands, Ireland, Germany, among other places around the globe. Closer to home, we say hello to Beloit, Wisconsin, one of the many places across the United States to download last week's program. If you're a roofer, you're probably familiar with ABC Supply Company, which is based in Beloit. ABC grew from a single store in 1982 to over 700 locations in 49 states. They sponsor cars in the Indy racing circuit. The Beloit Snappers, an affiliate of the Oakland A's, are a fairly well-known minor league baseball team, despite playing in only Class A. Danica Patrick was born in Beloit back in 1982, as was in 1955 former Detroit Lions head coach Jim Caldwell. And in 1953, born in Beloit was Cheap Trick lead singer Robin Zander. He and his bandmates inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2016, arguably, by me, the most underrated band in rock and roll. Beloit, Wisconsin, we thank you for listening. And to wherever it is that you're listening from, we thank you as well. Here's my friend Zach Barletta with an NFL edition of this week's shenanigans statements.
1: First of all, I just want to say I don't know if you're a fan or not. Cheap Trick did the theme song to that 70s show. Yeah, one that's of my true. favorite. They did shows. do that. You're right. Number one, Tom Brady will leave the Patriots in free agency.
0: Shenanigans. I think when all is said and done it's still the best situation for him. I think it's still the best situation for the Patriots. Yeah. And I think after the way the season ended, he'll want at least one more shot to go out on top. Mm-hmm. But that said, the Patriots they're going to have to be willing to pay him. And I think they will because Brady is holding all the cards. Their backup is Jason Stidham, or Jarrett Stidham, excuse me.
1: You didn't even know his first name. That's how insignificant he
0: is. <laughs> Last year's fourth round pick. I do think Tom Brady would have a pick of several teams if he decided to go elsewhere, but I'm just mm. not sure any offer him a better opportunity than New England. It'll be interesting to watch, but I don't think he leaves.
1: I say shenanigans as well. <clears throat> I actually think, um, based on what I've read, it's more likely that Belichick leaves the Patriots than that Tom Brady does this season, and it sounds like, Tom Brady is almost family to Robert Kraft, and Robert Kraft has actually said as much. He's, he's like my son, he said to people. And when Belichick traded away Jimmy Garoppolo and some of the backup quarterbacks that he's traded away, because Robert Kraft told him to do it, Belichick was apparently ready to move on from Brady in 2017. Uh, you know the Patriot way is to get rid of a guy a year early rather than a year late. We've talked about that before. If Robert Kraft has any say, and he should because it's his team, if Tom Brady wants to play, Robert Kraft will make sure he plays in New England. So, um, and he's already said he's going to play, so I would expect it to be in New England, which opens up the door of, does Bill Belichick go somewhere else where he has more control? So, it's going to be an interesting situation to monitor, but I do think we see Brady back in New England. Number two, the Buffalo Bills season is a success, even though it ended with them blowing a 16-point lead in the wild card game. Well,
0: you're the biggest Bills fan I know, so what do you think? <laughs>
1: It's going to sound like a homer take, but I agree. I think, you know, going into the season, a lot of people were picking them for, you know, five and 11, six and 10. Maybe some of the more generous takes were nine and seven. Uh, There were a few guys, a few bills friendly guys out there that predicted the 10 and six record, but they significantly overachieved in terms of what people expected their record to be. Several of their young players took steps to becoming legitimate superstars. Uh, I think of Tredavious White and Matt Milano on the defense, Tremaine Edmonds, what they've brought.
0: Terrific seasons.
1: Yeah, and, and a championship-level defense. Josh Allen, you remember when we talked about the Bills before the season on our preview show, and you said, the Bills make the playoffs if, and I said, Josh Allen levels up. And I think we saw him level up somewhat this year. I mean, he didn't throw a lot of interceptions, and half the interceptions he did throw all came in one game. Still fumbled a little bit much, but, you know, I thought he played a lot better. He limited the turnovers and stuff, and... You know, the team won 10 games with him at quarterback. There's something to be said there. So I think the arrow is pointing up. I think that all along the plan was to contend in 2020 anyways. They still have that 90 million in cap space and I believe nine draft picks this year. So... Uh, I think I think it was a success and I think we're going to see the trajectory continue in an upwards direction.
0: Yeah, I agree it was a success. It was a great season filled with a number of positives, another step forward, plus they now have a playoff game under their belt. Yeah. The confidence of knowing that they can compete with quality teams. Forward progress equals success. Not the ultimate success that they're working towards, but success nonetheless next year should be exciting for Buffalo fans.
1: Absolutely. Number three, with the New Orleans Saints surprisingly being eliminated in the wild card game, there's nobody left in the NFC who can stop the 49ers from advancing to the Super Bowl.
0: Ah, shenanigans. While I like the 49ers to advance because they're sitting in the number one seed, I think any one of the remaining teams could beat them. It won't be easy to do, especially going into San Francisco, but I, I listen, they're not unbeatable. And mm-hmm. remember, they're a pretty young team too, without playoff experience. Yeah. So if they went full second half bills on us, mm-hmm. would you really be all that surprised?
1: I wouldn't, and I, I think, uh, I think the one team you could probably count out would be Minnesota, just because I mean they've got some injuries that they're dealing with. They're yeah, they're not the healthiest team. They really weren't supposed to beat New Orleans, but then again, they weren't supposed to beat New Orleans, and here they are, you know. And I think maybe the one other team I would look at as as a dark horse is the Packers. You know, they won a lot of games this year that I really felt like they had no business winning. They're in the playoffs, and they still have Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, I I agree. The 49ers have to be the heavy favorite. They're the number one seed. They're a juggernaut. But still, it's the playoffs, and anything can happen.
0: I I agree. I think any of those teams, even Minnesota, man, they played really, really well. Yeah. Kirk Cousins stepped up and had a
1: yeah. great game. Of course, all those teams are just playing for the right to lose to Baltimore in the Super Bowl. <laughs> you might be right about that, but
0: when we come back, something encouraging in our you like that segment. Come on back along with Zach Barletta. I'm Rick Benson. You're listening to the Beyond the
1: Game program.
0: Show me pictures.
2: Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College, where athletics are fundamental to our commitment to educate for character. Our athletic program is strong and getting stronger every year. We offer 17 varsity sports, from lacrosse and basketball to track and field and soccer, and the only Division II athletic program in the area. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu.
0: Hey everybody, it's Benson. You probably know that Beyond the Game is a different kind of sports talk radio program. Sports conversation and Bible verses mixed together? Why would anybody do that? Here's why. Because the message of Jesus Christ is so important that we use sports to appeal to sports fans. Trying to be, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, all things to all men that I might by all means save some. You see, all of us are sinners. And because we are, we can't get to heaven on our own merit. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But it also tells us that God loves us. So much so that he sent his Son who was the only one who never sinned. And though he did not need to die, willingly did so on the cross as a sacrifice to pay the debt of all our sin. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Why? because God wants us all to be saved from an eternity in hell. 1 Timothy 2.4 says he desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. But the good news is Jesus didn't stay in the grave. Instead, he rose again, defeating death and making it possible for us to go to heaven as a result of his righteousness. You see, that's the grace of God we want to tell you about. Sports Talk Radio allows us to bring that message of the forgiveness of sins to sports fans all around the world forgiveness of sins is available to all people everywhere. 1 John 1 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible says that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. I hope you'd pray to God. I hope you'd confess to him that you know yourself to be a sinner. And tell him that you know and believe that Jesus died on the cross for you. And begin a new way of life, turning from sin and seeking after God. If you want to know more about what it means to be a Christian, you can visit our website, btgprogram.com. Thanks for listening. And enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome back into the, the program, our final segment for this week. I'm Benson, he's Barletta, and we're glad to have you along. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, the fifth of the Ten Commandments says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Raiders running back Josh Jacobs, who as a child was homeless for a while, living with his four siblings and father in a car, honored his father this week by buying him a new home. The 24th pick of this year's NFL draft announced the purchase on a social media account, and the Raiders also tweeted out his dad's reaction to the generous gift. The NFL offensive Rookie of the Year candidate said, Sleeping in the car, I always look back on it. It's always going to be something that molded me into who I am. It might have been rough, but I mean, it's my life. Josh Jacobs' gift of a new home to his father
1: is what I like this week. What I liked this week was Matt Rule's introductory press conference as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, and there wasn't anything really outstanding about it. It wasn't like anything really crazy happened, but that was part of it for me. Is Matt Rule, if you haven't seen the footage, find the clip of him talking about how much he loves football in his press conference. He just came across as a really honest and good dude who's just really passionate about the game of football, and he kept talking about, I love football and I wanted to find the right place to get involved at the highest level. and It was just really refreshing, especially in contrast to, say, the Adam Gase press conference that became a meme of him staring off into space and not making eye contact with anyone. Yeah, good good old crazy eyes Gase. And look, I love to pick on the Jets, so that's why I picked the Adam Gase example. But, you know, it was was really refreshing to me, and if you could buy coach jerseys, I would probably have a Matt Rule jersey. So Matt Rule's introductory press conference is what I liked this week. That's the show for this week. Thanks so much for
0: tuning in. The Beyond the Game program is mainly a listener-supported radio ministry. It's because of the prayers and financial gifts of people like you that keeps the program on the air. We'd ask that you please pray about partnering with us in order to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to sports fans listening all around the world each and every week. And if you feel led to give a financial gift of any amount, one time or recurring, please visit our website, btgprogram.com. For Zach Barletta... I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at this very same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody.